everybody. You're listening to And Then What Happens, the serial fiction podcast where anything could happen because it's written by the audience. Everybody writes in, stacking stories episodically. I'm a host. This is Chris Robinson. I'm another host. I'm Kathleen Wisniewski. Kathleen, you're back. I'm back. Uh, did you learn anything on your journey? On my sabbatical? Yeah. Um, no, I just, I've, I've come back with a renewed uh, commitment to our storytelling venture into our audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone thinks that this experiment school, this exquisite corpse uh, thing that we're doing. Yeah. Um, and you're all a part of it, just out there listening. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you were away. Do you know what happened last week? I do know what happened last week. That's awesome. Yeah. Last week, we saw Bazoo again. Uh, which means that there's some mystery in there for someone to figure out. How, how, how'd he get to where he is? What, where exactly in the timeline are we? Et cetera, et cetera. Well, I think we can help a little bit there. Mm-hmm. We are um, some time before the uh, incident on the highway. So this is happening leading up to that somehow. Right. Because yeah. we know Coco Veracruz isn't out yet. Mm-hmm. And we did see Coco on that scene at the golf course near the golf course mm-hmm. yeah we're in bazoo's uh lonely bachelor apartment he gets a call mm-hmm. from his boss Veracruz. you gotta go check on wv uh, a character who was introduced in rich's episode mm-hmm. um we were giving the mortar something happened uh bazoo sort of dreading going to the police station being right. uh, a former cop turned corrupt himself mm-hmm. but Steals himself, goes to get WV, finds them in a state near death. Very near death. Yeah. Like, pra- 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 more dead than alive, almost. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, gets them in the car, takes off. Did, do we know where they were going? To save their life somehow. Yeah. Um, Bazoo and WV, I guess, are close, being, being dirty police people yeah, together. Sort of, yeah, they've, they've got that, and also WV is sort of a, a reluctant part of the, the Veracruz crime right. situation. It, it seems like Bazoo is maybe into it. He's, he's a cop. He likes pushing people around. This right. is another excuse for it. But maybe there's also a bit of coercion there, and, and they've maybe found some common ground through yeah. that. That's awesome. And so today's episode follows directly after that. Today's episode is by C. Collinson, uh, another uh, pen name, I, I guess, another person that we don't know personally. So things are trending in the right direction, fellows. Yeah. Uh, so if you're another person that we don't know personally and you would like to add on to the next chapter, you're going to go to the beautiful website and then what happens.com. You're going to scroll down, find the open space. Uh, fill it in with your story, um, click some other things, <laughs> click submit, and we'll get it, and it'll be beautiful. What you've written will become canon. If you just have a question, uh, what, what could they do? And then what happens podcast at gmail.com. And that is uh, the space to email us. Mm-hmm. Literally anything. We'll take anything. Ooh, how about fan art? You could send that. Ooh, yeah, if you are visually inclined, that would be super cool. Yeah. 
and uh, and then if you just want to like make like a quick comment that's like not worthy of an email or uh, you know some other contact, um, tweet at us, Twitter at Chris Robinson at Rodneski at Rich Wisniewski. Uh, how about we just get into it? Yeah. I'm excited to find out, and then what happens? Yeah. The car was silent. No conversation being made as Bazoo drove. The only noise present was that of the CRV's engine roaring as it pushed the car into flying down the boulevard. Luckily, the road was empty, meaning there was no risk of a serious crash or anything of the sort. It was 3 a.m. after all. The tension was thick, both Bazoo and WV's head still processing what had just happened. WV nearly died. The capuchin had nearly gotten the detective, nearly ended their life. The hybrid assassin was strong, that much they knew, but they were caught unawares. The capuchin's crowbar was swung with an inhumane amount of force, striking WV's head, leaving them unconscious on the ground. Blood pouring from the wound. Had it not been for Bazoo's quick thinking, they wouldn't have lived. Are you okay? W.V. was the first to speak, their voice husky from disuse, and they made a mental note to drink some water when they arrived, wherever they were going. You have a head injury and probably concussion, and you're asking me if I'm all right? The man to whom the question was aimed at shook his head with slight amusement, his eyes glancing towards W.V. for a split second before moving back onto the road. I thought it'd be polite. They sighed. I do worry. Their words started off loud but trailed off at the final sentence. W.V. wasn't sure if Bazoo knew of the blackmail the Veracruz family, their family, was holding against them, or if he was under the same kind of duress. In the years the Veracruz crime family brought them back under family control and put them to work, they had become close to Bazoo, close enough to consider him a friend. They were unsure if Bazoo felt the same, but now is not the time to ask. It was no secret that the people around Bazoo saw him as an asshole, and, even if W.V. didn't see him in the same way, W.V. worried it would bother him in some way to be asked unnecessary questions. Me too. Bazoo's words were quiet, barely audible. Had it not been for his lips moving, nobody would have ever known that he had spoken. W.V.'s head spun towards the man beside them. They felt their skin move under the chain that held the medallion of six gold truths around their neck. For as long as they could remember, they had worn it. They believed it to be good luck whilst also providing them with protection. They inwardly chuckled at the thought. While it had brought them both of those things on more than one occasion, it was kind of ironic that it hadn't protected them from blackmail, which had in fact been the cause of nearly every disaster in W.V.'s life since. Bazoo raised an eyebrow at the detective's sudden movement. Something wrong? A slight smirk on his lips as he asked, a smirk which only grew bigger as W.V.'s head shook gently. Good. We're nearly here anyway. In the distance, the pair could see the Christmas theme park, Santa's sleigh. Had it not been for the giant Santa inflatable that had stood out front, W.V. doubted they would have noticed it. Why are we here, Bazoo? Isn't this for kids? W.V.'s head spun towards the man beside them once again, extremely confused and now slightly lightheaded. I suppose so, but I do know some people who work here that'll fix your head right up.
I want nothing to do with you, remember? Dal Bossin, an old friend of Bazoo's, raised his voice. I left that life a long time ago, Bazoo. Don't forget that. Look, I just need you to do two things for me, then we'll be off and out of your hair. Bazoo's voice was gruff, almost demanding, as he spoke to Dal, who seemed deep in thought. Fine. What do you need? Dal agreed, albeit reluctantly, and walked back to his seat, praying that his old friend and his new friend would leave soon. Firstly, I need you to patch up my friend here. The request wasn't actually a request. More of a threat, but that didn't stop W.V. from becoming slightly embarrassed at the word friend. We consider them a friend, too? Was the main question floating around their head. Then I need you to look at something for me. Where's Ishida? The former cop didn't even bother to wait for an answer before walking towards the place he knew Ishida would be. The bar. He didn't care if the bar was busy or not. He simply wanted what he had requested, and then they would be on their merry way. Back in the restaurant's break room, W.V. was now seated on the chair previously occupied by the sleigh's owner whilst awaiting the return of said owner. They took their time to observe the room. The room was white, white to the point that W.V. assumed that it had just been repainted. They knew the struggle of white walls all too well, having had them back in their previous home, before the life of crime began. There was a set of beach hand-built table and chairs in front of them, including the chair in which they were currently seated, and the walls were covered with images of Santa, snow, and all things Christmas. It is quite cute. Right. I'm not gonna lie, this is gonna hurt. Dal's voice sounded loud now as he stood in front of the injured, observing their head injury as he kneeled down and opened a bottle of alcohol to ensure that the wound would not become infected. W.V. tensed up, grinding their teeth in pain. Their heads stung and burned as the medical disinfectant was dabbed onto the wound. The pain seemed to last forever in W.V.'s mind, but only was a matter of seconds in Dahl's. Next, it was time for stitches, something W.V. despised with every fiber of their being. It was not necessarily that they had a phobia of needles. They simply didn't enjoy the feeling of them going through their skin, whether it was to draw blood or prevent blood from leaving. Deep breath in, deep breath out were the words replaying inside the mind of W.V., doing their best to ignore the feeling of the needle stitching up their wound, knowing that it would be over soon enough and their head wouldn't be bleeding anymore. Then the only problem is the concussion. Thank you. Their words were quiet, eyes finally opening after being screwed tightly shut for the past few minutes. No problem. Dal was still reluctant to talk to them, but decided not to be rude. This is a threat. You know that, right? Ishida's voice was the next sound they heard as she entered the room, and W.V.'s head hurt at the sound, the shock finally wearing off as the concussion was now setting in. Like... Don't get me wrong. It's your own fault for getting involved, but I just thought I'd warn you. It could also be a clue. Bazoo followed her in, answering with his own theory. I was torn between a clue or a threat, but then again it could be both. I don't know, but it's possible. It's not like this thing is entirely human after all. The Capuchin was simply an urban legend to most. But if you were unlucky enough, you would soon find out that its existence was entirely real. 
Ishida let out a small hum of agreement, hmm. surprised that he had thought of that. Not just strength. Got smarts, too. Ishida's eyes wandered towards W.V., who was still seated, slightly pale, but no longer covered in blood. Where's the amulet? Both W.V.'s and Bazoo's eyes widened. It's not there. Wait. W.V. raised their hand to their neck. There was the chain. But what they were too shook up to realize until now, they confirmed as they slid their hand down to their chest. What? Where is it? Slightly panicked, they jumped to their feet, only to be hit with a dizzy spell before falling into Dahl's arms. Relax. Bazoo walked towards the two, giving W.V. a light pat on the head, light enough not to hurt them, but hard enough to let them know he was there. The Capuchin must have taken it, but we'll get it back. I promise. The promise was a big deal. Bazoo never promised anything. W.V. almost blushed at the thought. As much as I don't want to get any further involved, I know the amulet meant that. She cast a glance around the room at her boss, Dahl, and Bazoo. I understand it meant a lot to you two, so I'll summon a boom. It'll help you follow the trail, but I am not getting involved. Ishida's words were blunt. It was obvious there was no changing her mind. Thank you. W.V.'s voice trembled with worry. The capuchin has it. What is it planning to do with the amulet? The four of them gathered around the table, Ishida pulling the ingredients for the spell from her work apron, placing them on the table. With a paring knife, she cut a string into pieces, forming a disjointed circle small enough to fit on the table, whilst being big enough to fit everything that needed to go in. As Ishida emptied four glass vials' contents into the circle, she spoke. Orate! Indica mii ubi minorum capuchin irit! The pronunciation was perfect, leaving W.V. wondering if she learned their order's language as a child. The liquid in the circle bubbled, producing a piece of paper once it had evaporated. Ishida reached out, taking the paper, handing it to Bazoo. Take it and go. Good luck.